Hello, hello. This is Professor Hunter from Van Man. I am delighted to recommend Gruesome Herzog's podcast to the outside world. His infamous interviews are some of the best in the business. He's deliciously diabolical. <laughs> hey, this is Sean Kane, director of Silent Night Zombie Night, and you're listening to Gruesome Herzog. Hello, this is Natalie Sheets. I play Jenna in the film Madison County, and you're listening to Gruesome Herzog. Hey, horror fans, this is Ace Marrero, and you are listening to Gruesome Herzog. Dig it! I'm Justice Funneborn, and I'm listening to Gruesome Herzog. This is Yvette Corvea, and most of you know me as Marla from Run, Bitch, Run. She's a really evil, crazy bitch. And you guys are listening to Gruesome Herzog. Hi, this is David Z. Stamp, and you're listening to Gruesome Hey, this is Bill Oberst, Jr. I play Dale in the film Dismal. And as Dale would say, let me tell you something. You're listening to Gruesome Herzog. You got Dale's word on that. Hey, this is James Cotton. I'm a director, writer, producer. You're listening to Gruesome Herzog. Jack Harrison, action actor and stunt coordinator of all three stunt teams. I played the character Idiot in the movie Dismal. And you're listening to Gruesome Herzog. Everyone, this is Gruesome Herzog. My very special guest today is director Ryan Stevens Harris. How you doing, Ryan? Hey, I'm doing good, Scott. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for coming on here. And, uh, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, I have you on yeah. here for um, one reason. It's your newest movie, but uh, I'm going to run down some earlier stuff. Uh, usually, I run a horror podcast, as you know, but usually I like to run down other stuff like thrillers or you know something that. The listeners can get an idea of what you've done before, you know, you know, what you get taste of. So, Mm -hmm. that said, um, if you're interested in, this is a a drama in 2005, it's a short film, um, sailing for uh, Madagascar in 2005. Would you want to give the listeners an idea of what it's about? Yeah, sailing for Madagascar. It was uh, was a story about a young girl. It was a film I shot when I was at USC. Um, it was uh, basically a thesis film um, for director Tom Osh, and uh, I was partnered up with Bobby Bailey. And uh, yeah, it was uh, basically just about this young. It was a short film about this um, young girl during World War II who befriends this uh, young Japanese boy next door. And uh, basically, as the war mounts, um, you know, strife sparks between the two, and uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's just basically her going through that. So yeah, right. we we basically lit the whole thing um, with uh, just this uh, very classical palette. You know, not a lot of camera movements. 
um, very kind of uh, almost architectural composition. And, uh, yeah, it was a great way to cut our teeth on uh, on film. So, yeah, yeah you God know, bless USC. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny, you know, I never... I said this before, and I won't. I won't mention any more names because it's like a broken record. But I, ne- I never seen a short film before up until like maybe uh, six months ago. Well, actually, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll say it, I don't care. Um, I got my um, Ace Jordan sent me a copy of Kill Devil Hill, um, my very first short film that I watched, and that got me into the short film bug. You know, I <laughs> I love reviewing short films now. I just there's a lot of remarkable ones out there. I mean, I don't care if they're dramas. I don't care if they're comedies. It's just neat that you can watch one, and when it's over, chances are if it's really good, you're still thinking about it afterwards because it, it it got done so quickly. You know, compared to a full length movie, you got an hour and a half to think about what you're seeing, and by the time you get to the end of the movie, you might forget certain details in the beginning of the movie. With a short film, it's that quick that you can't forget. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you have to be efficient with exactly what you're showing. I mean, right. I think for Madagascar, you know, if I recall, we had something like, you know, 50, 50 different locations. I mean, it, it was right. it was quite an ambitious short film, and we had to trim it all down to 12 minutes. And so, um, yeah, there is that, uh, you know, economy that you have to have. Right. Um, I mean, I'm not saying certainly you have to have that on a feature film, even more so. Right. But uh, it really is a great testing ground, so to speak. So, um yeah, I mean, I was very fortunate to get to work with Tom Oates. You know, he's he since uh, went on to um, shoot a bunch of commercials and such, and uh, oh, actually cool. did some concept art for him for a uh, television spec that he was uh, developing. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, 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 all the best. Um, well, the yeah. next the next short film has my interest because I like the 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 title. Um, it's called mm-hmm. Blink in 2005, and I like the tagline. <laughs> it says, "Don't blink." <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> oh, Blink was a uh, a 16 millimeter short film that I shot again at USC. A lot of these early short films are going to be over at SC, right. but um, I shot it with uh, for my friend uh, Richard Tucci, and it's basically about a college student who slowly develops the ability to uh, to to blink and somebody will die. So oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh it was twisted in a way, but um, I. It kind of sounds insane, the concept anyway, but we shot it in such a way that uh, there was this whole kind of supernatural element to it. And, um, you know, on that, we, I mean, we shot it in stark black and white and uh, a lot of, like, insane wide angle lenses. Right. And, um, I mean, the thing, it, it was actually based on a. Uh, short film that he had done previous and then he was trying to develop it into a feature film but uh, yeah uh, Richard Tucci I've worked with him many times since and so yeah, I'm just glad that uh, you know we found each other because we complement each other in such a way right where um, yeah he's, he's actually more of a uh, producer head you know right, um, right. A, real, a real bulldog and so uh, yeah, it's, it's since turned into um, you know something that I treasure just because I feel like he brings a certain amount of uh, logistics to a film. He was actually the line producer on Earth, and so um, I often go back and try to, you know, excavate people from USC that I know can can do the job well. Right. Um, yeah. Now, well, 
the um, yeah, and then he actually helped me on a USC film that I did previous, the one that I actually directed, Game Room. And so, <laughs> all right, yeah, that's a whole other ball of wax. Game Room was utterly insane. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way to describe it. But, well, yeah. this next one it seems to be received pretty highly on IMDb, which I'm kind of shocked by it. It's called Three Places to the Closet. Three paces to the closet door in 2005. It's got a nine. Yeah, two paces. It's got a 9.3 rating. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> well, three paces. Yet another short film. So that was uh, directed by my buddy John Elfers, who uh, then would go on to direct Finale, which was the first feature film that I shot. Right. So a lot of my uh, a lot of my past is steeped in um, cinematography, you know, and photography. But um, that film, again, we shot on Super 16 with this uh, eclectic French camera, this Eclair package, uh, just a bunch of refurbished lenses, you know, C-mounts, PL-mounts, it's something, a B-mount, I mean, just this ridiculous package of lenses. Right. And, um, I mean, we shot it over three days. It's, it's a story about uh, a guy who, um, a roommate uh, actually births into his apartment and then his other roommate is like uh, actually has to defend him from a guy who bursts in the door and is accusing him of sleeping with his wife and pulls a gun on him it's just completely crazy Oh, geez. and the friend has to decide whether or not to uh, defend him in that you know in that in that very instant and so he has a he has a shotgun mounted in the closet jeez and so the whole thing is three paces to the closet door. He's uh, grappling with that, and, and, and John stretched the moment, you know, all the way out. Um, and uh, it's just a brief instant in the reality of time, but the moment is stretched, you know, to the brink, like in the reality of the film. Right. So, yeah. But, um, no, again, just another opportunity to uh, to shoot and to hone skill. And so... Um, yeah, we ended up actually shooting Finale shortly after that. Um, he then helps me on a short film that I did called Meltdown, which I don't think is listed no. on any uh, IMDb page or anything. So it was like this mechanical ballet that I did um, to the music of Alec Empire. I don't know if you're familiar, but um, yeah, yeah. basically this woman puts a coin in this uh, contraption and it runs this... Uh, this almost Tetsuo Iron Man type character with a huge headpiece, uh, mechanical headpiece with a light shining out. And she basically dances into life and, uh, you know, he, he busts forth from his uh, containment. But, um, you know, a lot of those early things I really think that I was uh, just trying to um, develop a sort of visual you know, visual identity or visual right. language. Exactly. And I seem to constantly be going back to uh, these darker themes, per se, you know. Uh, like, and that's sort of why I guess I lean towards horror or thriller or more noirish type stuff. And you'll probably never see me shoot a comedy just because I don't necessarily want to do something that's so high-key. Right, know? right. Um, atmosphere and mood is very important, I think, in any project, but uh, I don't know. There's just something about the brooding atmosphere as a filmmaker that I really want to nurture, you know. And right. So, yeah, but 
Hopefully, I didn't, I didn't ramble or go off. No, 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 no it's you know. fine. No, no, because the, the more you talk about it, the more people get understanding. Well, you, you mentioned it, the, the next movie that I'm going to try and find this one on Amazon and buy it and watch it. Uh, it's called Finale in 2009. You just briefly mentioned it. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to, you can give the listeners an idea of what it's about. Yeah, that was the first movie that we did, the first feature film that we did out of USC. And so, and it was quite an undertaking to say the least. It's hard probably to communicate the amount of work that we put into that bad boy. But um, we uh, we raised financing ourselves, and uh, we got grants from Panavision and Kodak, and uh, we were shooting entirely on film. So we actually got, um, you know, I mean, we got grants from both Panavision, Kodak, and Laser Pacific. Right. So, uh, you know, normally film shoots up huge amount of your budget, but at least we were able to offset those costs a little bit, those grants. Right. Um, regardless, uh, we ended up going out to Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm actually from Columbus, Ohio. Okay. And uh, John, the director, was from Cincinnati. And so we went out there, and we basically spent, you know, a month and a half just shooting like crazy. And finale of the script had, again something like 115, 120 different scenes, and they were all in, like, dilapidated churches, factories with no power, you know, um, uh, run-down gas stations, and, I mean, just stuff all over the place. Wow. So we basically just ran Cincinnati for, like, <laughs> a month and a half, you know, and shooting 15, 20-hour days, and uh, it was like, I mean... The easiest way to describe it is I used to play uh, I used to play football and we used to do you know two a days three a days back in high school right. and no matter how difficult it was it will never compare to the physical toll and grind that finale <laughs> was I mean it just didn't even come close because we you know um, we were running on a shoestring budget so food was rather scarce we were all living in the same place you know and, right. and by the end of it we were all I mean we just looked like apocalyptic warriors you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. but um, we finished we finished shooting in Cincinnati and then we went back six months later and shot another week uh, of pickups because it, it, it's like this mystery story right it's about a uh, it's about a mother who uh, discovers her son dead uh, hanging in a barn Jeez. and then um, slowly you know realizes or, or through her own paranoia and delusions, comes to believe that his high school theater is a satanic cult that's recruiting kids, and um, her son was a part of that. And so, you know, everybody else believes that she's utterly crazy. It's based on a true story of the director's John Elford, back when he was in high school. I don't really want to touch on that too much. Right. But, um, right. Yeah, I mean, uh, and so it, it was this mystery. It was, it was this, and I, and I mentioned Italian giallo to you earlier, uh, but it's this horror mystery is the best way to describe it. And so we often had to go back in, fit in a few pieces, just so everything came out nice and smooth. Right. Because there's so many steps, you know. We wanted uh, the audience to. It was just this very delicate balance. The audience has to still be intrigued by the mystery, you know, mystery over explanation type thing. Right. But at the same time, yeah, the yarn was so uh, complex that 
yeah, often we had to go back and pick stuff up. Yeah. So after we went back and shot a week, then we went back and shot another week six months later after that, and finally, you know, after what, eight, nine months of editing, we came out with the final film, and it was received extremely well. We immediately won Indie Spirit over at uh, A Night of Horror in Australia. We won nice. uh, Best Horror at uh, Seattle Independence. We won um, Best Film at Indie Spirit. So the whole film had a really kind of uh, indie thing going for it. Because right. We did shoot on uh, Super 16, you know, 8mm even for some sequences. And... Uh, I mean, the best way to describe the look is this kind of 1970s, grungy, like, you know, you found a film reel in an attic and then put it up on the projector and just showed it. Like, That's it awesome. has a weird kind of a yes. timeless, um, gritty aesthetic to it, you know? And, know um, yeah, not to mention in certain sequences, especially near the end, when we're cross-cutting between, like, five different locations um, I did it in such a way where we basically light them starkly in in different colors so that we're cross cutting you know exactly where we are and it sort of gives an homage to those extremely colorful Italian horror films like Suspiria <laughs> and uh, all of those movies yeah. that John loves so yeah, yeah. but um and then, and then we screened a Shriek Fest no not, not Shriek Fest excuse me Scream Fest yep and um, and then we also won best. I won best cinematography at Boston International. So the film was, yeah, the film was well received, and um, yeah, it's still out there. So I, yeah, I mean, obviously. So yeah, well, I'm gonna check yeah. it out. Mm-hmm. But the the mm-hmm. one that the one we're gonna talk about right now, it's been. Uh, I've interviewed Dami. I've interviewed uh, the great, lovely Sybil Danning. Um, I have yet to interview uh, Mr. Zazo, but uh, 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 we lost touch there for a while. I think he got his number changed or something. But um, Virus X, I had a copy sent to me from Matt Chasen. Um, I watched it, and uh, I really, as I put it, um, you might have seen my quotes. I just said simply two words, or actually three, a must-see. That's what I said. Now, uh, it's to me uh, interviewing Dami um, and Sybil. The movie takes a different um, personal aspect to me because you know interviewing them and them talking about the movie and then watching the movie and then watching the performances in the movie. You know, you get a different um, persona of it. You know, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to take away from the film, but the film was. I really enjoyed this film for the simple fact is it wasn't done overboard. It was done just the way it's way it should be. You know what I mean? For the for the for the yeah. budget for the budget that you had, you didn't go too far, you know, serious serious, and you didn't make a, a big joke out of it. You meant, you went right down the middle, and uh, the acting all the acting was phenomenal in here. I love the storyline. David Sterling and Jeremiah Campbell, you know, they did a great job on writing this. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, I can't say enough about this movie. I mean, I you know, I, I might sound like a um, a uh, an ass kisser or whatever. It doesn't matter what people think. <laughs> you know, they have to watch it first with an open eye and open judgment before they you know, and then they're gonna understand what I'm talking about. Now, Dominic played a creepy role in here. Uh, I was like, <laughs> you know, watching him in his movie, it's like he almost sucked you into him. 
you know, it's just the way he he didn't say very much, but it's just when he did spoke speak, he had that Italian accent, but he added that creepiness to it. And a lot of people that I've been reading reviews about said, "Oh, I don't like his performance in that movie." Why? You mean yeah. you know each person? Uh-huh. Dami created a a a a, a, a bad person, a, a, a psycho, a nitwit, or whatever what you want to call it. But he did it so well because he didn't say very many words. And Joe Zazo, in his role in this movie, he played like the uh, doctor that didn't want to do it but had to do it, but then felt guilty about it. You know what I mean? It just it was done perfect. And Sybil Danning. Now I'm not going to say anymore. I don't want to ruin the movie in case people didn't see it. But the ending of this movie, I was quite surprised. I didn't exactly think that that would have happened, and that topped the cake for me in this movie. You know, I thought maybe, you know, the Richie Richie, you know, you know, wants to make more money, that she'll get to walk away scot-free or whatever. But in reality, it's not the case, and that's what made the movie for me. There. Mm-hmm. I, su- I, sucked yeah, enough, the- I sucked enough ass now, okay? So go ahead. <laughs> Come up and suck in, yeah. <laughs> but go ahead. Gosh, and- <laughs> what can I say? There's so many things to comment on. But, um, yeah, I, I hear you, especially about Dimitriano's performance. Um Dimitriano, he just has such an intense presence that I felt like we needed to, um, you know, go all the way with his character. And so I, um, we were really forging some kind of strange new territory with him. I wanted, you know, we were, we, we kept talking about being serpentine and sexual and, um, almost like a, you know, like, like a transvestite serpent in a way. Yeah. And so it's really difficult to, uh, um, and, and just, I could totally see how, uh, you know, it wouldn't hit the right buttons for some people. But um, ultimately, I just think that, uh, I mean, Jimmy Channel just has such an intense presence on screen right. that I felt like we needed to utilize that. You know, we couldn't right. downplay it. We just had to, you know, let the character roam and go. You know, right, And right. so he is ultimately probably the more wild part of the script, whereas everybody is... Um, more or less playing it completely straight, um, he is uh, otherworldly, and we know something is going on with him. Right. And so, um, ultimately, I wanted to make the film have leaned towards kind of a hyper-real, uh, almost graphic novel aesthetic, you right, know, where, right. you know, nothing is just right, but um, is, is exaggerated, you know. And so his character especially, I think, you know, really, really um, <clears throat> communicates that. So. You know, they, they, and, uh, you know, like I said, the acting was great. You know, I, I want to give credit where credit's due. There's two actors that I also thought did a great performance in here, and that's Jay Day and that Dylan Vox. <laughs> yeah, Jay Day and Dylan Vox. Yeah, uh-huh. we just had a whole slew of young of young actors. You know, yeah. and um, most of them it was like. Yep. Yeah, most of them, it was, um, I mean, one of their first features, if not their first. It was definitely Jai's first headlining. Right. And um, I I think they all did a a great job, especially when um, I packed them all in together and you can really see them spitting spitting off each other back and forth. Yes. And, uh, yeah, so, and the whole filmmaking process was like that. I mean, ultimately, I don't know what people know about the film, but we shot it in... Ten days and then a day of pickups. I mean, contrary to finale, where we spent 
you know, a month in Cincinnati and then came back for a week and reshot and then came back for another week and reshot. Virus, I was interested in creating a movie with a super fast turnaround, you know, right. and um, something where uh, we didn't have that much time and literally it was run and gun. And um, basically Sterling, David Sterling, the producer, had rented out uh, three, basically three storage units. I mean, these were not large rooms. And uh, so <laughs> it was just an organic filmmaking process. Like, for instance, I would come in, we would have the place set dressed, and we would create coverage, uh, interesting coverage on the fly to utilize the location best we could. You know, right. And I often let the actors, um, yeah, make it happen between themselves. Because the script ultimately ended up being just, um, at least the dialogue, uh, really a shell. You know, Jeremiah Campbell had written the script. Then I came in when I was hired on and, uh, you know, did a quick rewrite, but a thorough rewrite. I mean, you know, I, I implemented the whole ticking clock, you know, day one, two, three. Right. And uh, really, like, the uh, the thrust that they're basically recruiting these um, people off of the street to use as guinea pigs. Right. And so, um, yeah. Like, when we ended up getting on set, I often gave a ton of liberties. And so, even more, you know, my even more compliments to the actors. I mean, just to be able to uh, to fly like that, I think, is uh, a great testament to their skill, you know. And He had to pay the cops to keep the road closed, you know. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah when, we were, uh, when we were shooting in Cincinnati, for instance, people would be willing to give us stuff. When you shoot in Los Angeles or any part around there, I mean, people have their hands out and want to be paid to be quiet. So it sort of loses the uh, the, the mystique and the excitement, hey, we're making a movie, and instead becomes, you know, well, we're not going to be quiet unless you, you know, yeah. pay us off and whatnot. But, um, no, everybody more or less was pretty cool, and uh, they would, um, you know, just postpone the practice more or less. Right. So we get the shot. But that's sort of how the shoot was in its entirety you know we were really scrambling and all in all um, unlike for instance finale not many things went wrong with the shooting overall everything was more or less smooth and uh, the organic coverage that I was getting you know and uh, almost building um, on the fly per se you know because I was using utilizing a handheld camera I was operating um, we were in close quarters and so uh, I just had a very intimate relationship with the actors and the blocking. Right. Um, everything, you know, everything really fell into place. And so, um, along with the edit later, uh, a lot of that coverage paid off. For instance, many of, much of the bonus footage is the stuff that I ended up using. So, I would have a shot planned out, and um, often I would just let the whole scene run, and then I would grab different snippets, you know, right. of the scene, often, you know, whipping over to certain characters that weren't even on camera, you know, weren't uh, weren't even um, supposedly supposed to be in the shot. But uh, thanks to, like, Richard Calderon and my gaffer, Eric Bader, we, uh, we had set it up so that uh, we really could shoot almost 360 degrees. Oh, wow. um, yeah, uh, we had the entire set built out, but... Uh, you know, to uh, to give credit, the room was only <laughs> right, right. You know, the room was like a big garage. So, well, which is another reason why I had to use a lot of um, long lenses and really destroy the geography 
of the room, you know, so right. that you don't necessarily know exactly where you are. And if you watch the film, I don't really pull out for a lot of, you know, uber wide shots because of that. So, right. You know, uh, now, were you with the movie right from the start? No, I mean, I mean, no. I, mean, I was hired sex. on. I was hired on at the eleventh hour. Really, um, I met Domiziano through Finale. Uh, he was right. he has a small bit part in Finale, and um, as the master of ceremonies. And okay. uh, he, um, you know, I as the DP on that film, I was you know running around going crazy. And right. uh, there are a lot of sequences in that film that are just strictly visual. And so I, I think that he. Uh, you know, liked my work ethic, and certainly uh, we uh, we have to be efficient and speedy. Right. And so um, I came in and interviewed for Virus just because it was in that kind of genre that I liked. Okay. That whole right. noirish sci-fi, um, almost like a tech noir type film is how I saw it. Like this surveillance theme throughout. And so um, I took Jeremiah Campbell's script. Uh, yeah, I did a did a thorough, but quick rewrites and we were off and running you know within within two weeks you know so um yeah it was it was fast as things often are you know dominoes just fall and then before you know you're shooting another film but um yeah so uh that's basically the uh experience of virus is that it was just a ultra fast shoot with um ultimately a relative low amount of money so right. uh, I felt like because there weren't any hiccups along the line, the film is able to look the way that it does because, I mean, we were using, we shot on red, and uh, we were using a lot of soft, cool light throughout. We'd come in and pre-light. So right. basically all our time on set was used to shoot. You know, we weren't right. doing a ton of lighting resets. And uh, any lighting reset was just tinkering, you know. So um, I think ultimately... That and the fact that we had a lot of lighting sources built in each set. For instance, each location, we would try to do something dramatic with the light uh, so you knew sort of immediately where you were because we didn't want to change the tone, the look of the film, unlike, for instance, for now, Finale, where we're cutting between a bunch of different uh, color-timed locations, you know, to sort of separate the right. location. Right. Here, we just wanted to have one dramatic thing. For instance, in the office, we had the big light box. In the back, in the uh, mess room, we had that shaft of light with the fan coming through. In the uh, surveillance room, obviously, we have all the monitors, you know. So, um, yeah, just one very dramatic design element. So you knew really where you were. But, well, yeah. So. Before, I let, before I let you go, i got to ask you one quick question. Um, yeah. Sybil Danning, um, did you ever, did, did you get a chance to, to interact with her while you're making the movie? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, did she light up a room when she walked in? <laughs> I mean, she it has to. Yes, yes, I love her to death. <laughs> she was fun to talk to. I really adore her. She's a, you know, she's full of uh, full of information and intelligence. I was just wondering because uh, yeah, uh huh, mm-hmm. yeah. she is uh, she's quick on her feet. Yeah. It was really interesting, Sybil <laughs> and my relationship throughout the film. But um, ultimately, she read the script and she really liked the script. And uh, on 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 paper, I mean, that script is tight. And right. the film, ultimately, the story is super linear and is a tight little package. Like uh, 
you mentioned before, it is contained. It doesn't go outside of its world at all. You know, right. so we were making a small film, but we wanted to make the small film well. Uh, Sybil, when Sybil came on, it was um, near the end of the shoot, and uh, so we had her for two or three days, and um, yeah, it, it's it's just funny because she always, she was always trying to make sure that I ate <laughs> because I was always running around like a chicken with my head cut off, you know, and she she uh. <laughs> It was like this really interesting uh, maternal thing. And she has this regality to her yep. that I felt like the character needed and um, also this menace. And, right. Um, we, we, we had a few... Uh, we, had a, we butted heads a few times because I, I really wanted her to be like this, this glamorous, though, shark in water. Right. And... Uh, she, uh, <laughs> she was like, Ryan, no, you know, light me from over top, so, you know, give me more beauty lighting. And I'm like, yeah, but you're, you're this vicious, you know, woman. And so we, we, we were often, uh, it, it was a very, um, how to say, uh, creative. Uh, it, it, the relationship nurtured a creativity because uh, she challenged me quite a few times, yeah. which I enjoy. So, Excellent. yeah. But, um, that yeah, that's good. I'm glad to have you on here. Uh, I apologize for the power outage we had to. I'll be. Uh, <laughs> yes, no worries. I yeah. wasn't expecting an 18 wheeler to be hitting the house, and apparently, God forbid, the name the guy had a heart attack and passed away. But uh, thank God we got the, the electrical on pretty quickly. But I apologize for that. That was obviously out of my control. No. But uh, yeah, no problem. What a uh, what a terrible. It is. Crap. It's it. You know, yeah. you, you, when you're a horror movie fan, but when something like that happens, it hits you right in the stomach. That knot. Mm -hmm. So, anyways, mm -hmm. thank you very much for coming on. Um, really appreciate the time you took. And uh, I am a big fan of uh, Virus X. Um, I'll continue to support it. Uh, the movie was, you know, I had no, no problems, issues with it. I enjoyed it very much. And hopefully, uh, the more it's out there, the more people watch it, the more people will... Hopefully, the people... <coughs> will understand, you know, what movie making is all about and, and, and give it a fair shake. You know, I mean, I don't see nothing wrong with it myself, you know, so I guess, yeah. mm -hmm. I guess it's, it's, it's in, the, in the mind of the beholder, I guess it is, right? <laughs> well, the film is what it is, yeah. and uh, it's, a, it's a tight, contained, uh, very, very fast uh, sci-fi thriller. And so, and, and it leans towards like a exploitation type of cinema that a lot of, um, say, art house critics, myself included. I mean, I'm a huge. I don't know. I'm like, I, I mean, I'm a huge Fellini fan, Fincher fan, Kubrick right. fan. Right. And so, um, I, I understand why uh, you know uh, certain a certain niche may react to it a certain way. Right. But ultimately, the movie is fast, fun, entertaining. And um, has an atmosphere to it, and I yep. think ultimately, hopefully, people, you know, are entertained. Right. And, um, I mean, well, I want I wanted the film to be like a shot of adrenaline, you know, something right. fast like boom, you know, and to be loud visually and uh, with with loud performances. And so, right. I think that, you know, especially like like you mentioned before with Luciano's performance, you know. Uh, things like that startle people, and right. so I think it's good to, you know, shake people up and to leave some sort of reaction. So, for what it's worth, yeah. Well, my my last thought and words is, obviously Lionsgate thought it was interesting, 
it was good? Oh yeah, I never, I never thought there would be a problem selling a movie like that. You know what I mean? So, so <laughs> my, 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 my whole point was, you know, if Lionsgate likes it, what's a, a, you know, a person that's watching it's criticizing it? I mean, who are you going to weigh on? What Lionsgate wants or what a anonymous reviewer says? That's basically. I mean, that's just that's just the way it is. I mean, you're never going to satisfy everybody. It's just, it, that's what. What the world's all about. We all have our own tastes and likes. So that said, <laughs> yeah. so anyways, yeah. uh, I don't want to keep babbling on about that, but I appreciate your time coming <laughs> on here, and you take care of yourself and keep in touch. Yes, no problem, Scott. You take care. You take care. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. What I need is panic. Make me a plague, Doctor. A group of rogue scientists have been brought together. The most vicious outbreak has yet to occur. To develop the world's deadliest virus. What if we create a strain that we can't control? You gotta help me! You gotta help me! But they never imagined. She's infected. Their own creation. God forgive me. What's up? What's going on? They're shutting us in. Tested on them. We're in Estimated life expectancy, three days. Don't let anyone out of that lab. Nobody is coming for us. He's watching us. Hold him! This is Steve Warren. I played Ivan in Scarce. You dumbasses better be listening to Gruesome Herzog so you'll know what you're up against. Hello, hello. This is Professor Hunter from Pan Man. I am delighted to recommend Gruesome Herzog's podcast to the outside world. His infamous interviews are some of the best in the business. He's deliciously diabolical. <laughs> hey, this is Sean Kane, director of Silent Night Zombie Night, and you're listening to Gruesome Herzog. Hello, this is Natalie Sheets. I play Jenna in the film Madison County, and you're listening to Gruesome Herzog. Hey, horror fans, this is Ace Marrero, and you are listening to Gruesome Herzog. Dig it! I'm Jessica Funneborn, and I'm listening to Gruesome Herzog. This is Yvette Corbea, and most of you know me as Marla from Run, Bitch, Run. She's a really evil, crazy bitch. And you guys are listening to Gruesome Herzog. Hi, this is David Z. Stamp, and you're listening to Gruesome Herzogs. Hey, this is Bill Oberst, Jr. I play Dale in the film Dismal, and as Dale would say, let me tell you something. You're listening to Gruesome Herzog. You got Dale's word on that. Hey, this is James Cotton. I'm a director, writer, producer. You're listening to Gruesome Herzog. Jack Harrison, action actor and stunt coordinator of all three stunt teams. I played the character Idiot in the movie Dismal, and you're listening to Gruesome Herzog. Hey, this is Jason Sudeikis, and you're listening to Gruesome Herzog. 